0: with more happiness and prosperity through his master in the game of life podcast and books paul also helps people to get their own inspirational messages and powerful stories out into the world as well as being involved in supporting many charitable organizations in their development fundraising and projects
1: Hello listeners and welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. I think this particular episode is a first. I mean you could argue they're all first because every guest and every conversation and the energy there in, in that moment is always unique. But I say a first because the gentleman joining us today is from Luxembourg and to my mind we haven't yet had a guest from Luxembourg. So Keith Amos, without further ado, a very warm welcome to you.
2: Well, thank you very much, Paul. Yeah, a lot of uh, listeners may remember Radio Luxembourg, which unfortunately is is not a uh, a big thing anymore. But yeah, here I am in the Grand Duchy of Luxembourg as a Brit, as you can tell probably from my accent. But I also now have dual nationality. But we will not certainly start your podcast by talking about Brexit.
1: Mm, absolutely not no that um to use a metaphor that ship has sailed (laughs) and um
2: letting on water i think paul is the truth but anyway yeah um so you're a career coach keith aren't you i am i am Mm. um one of the things i've been really fascinated to to listen to your your podcast and the different guests you have and and what's actually happening now is that in the old days, it was kind of, I'm a coach, and that was it, full stop. And what's happening now is that more and more people are actually specifying exactly what they are. So it's a bit like a kind of a general practitioner who then says, well, actually, I'm an ear, nose and throat specialist or, or whatever. And, and, and for me, it was the logical thing for me to, me to go into, really.
1: Yeah, because would you
2: like me to elaborate? I'll I'll stop and then let you let you pester me with very difficult questions, Paul. At any time.
1: Yeah, because one of the things that we spoke about off air, Keith, in terms mm. of framing um, our conversation, our dancers listeners are, are used to hearing me refer to this energetic mm. exchange, um, is around your journey of transitioning from institution to individual. So that's probably mm. a good intro, Keith, to tell us about your. Mm. Uh, you know, your former employer.
2: Absolutely. Um, give you a little bit of background. I, I, I think like an awful lot of people, I started my career by, actually, I joined the civil service until I knew what I wanted to do. So it basically seemed to be something where I could earn a bit of money and, uh, and you know, call myself now a, a big lad in the real world. Um, but in fact, I ended up in the Ministry of Defence, uh, which I hadn't anticipated, and it certainly wasn't It wasn't a plan of mine and from there went into uh, spent Some great fun in uh, in London with some wonderful colleagues uh, around the time of Thatcher. That's how old I am um, and Hesseltine and from there into Personnel management and ended up in working for the North Atlantic Treaty Organization so that really really opened my eyes to a much bigger world and to some very interesting things and as a, as a human resources or personnel manager uh, in those days, I've, I've moved around to various countries and ended up here in, in sunny Luxembourg. Mm. So interestingly enough, that the, whilst being in human resources or human remains, as a lot of people, people can, or can refer to it, um, you don't get thanked very much. And what happened during my career was when you're paying people, when you're um, moving people into different jobs when you're dealing with discipline issues and all those good things that they do. Not a lot of people turn around and say thank you. However, in the world of training and development and, and uh, uh, really that kind of e- um, mentoring and coaching world, it's the opposite. People are normally extremely grateful. You no, know, thank you for, for for getting me on that course. Thank you for, for for helping me with this, that and the other. And I think as a result of that i realised there was something more that i wanted to do which was really to give a little bit back and to help with the development of people and end up in in the world i'm in now which is which is career coaching
1: mm. so has there been a you know i mean has there been a, a stark awareness keith from mm. that that life of being in a uh, a major by any, anybody's definition, you know, NATO, if we can be allowed to abbreviate mm-hmm. to the acronym, it is yep. a major yep. institution, a world yep. global institution. And then all of a yeah. sudden, Keith's lost all that kind of periphery is yeah. even the right word, Keith. But all mm. of a sudden, it's just me, myself and I in the big bad world. Oh,
2: <clears throat> that's a great one. You see, you know, the, the, the reality is that we always associate ourselves with our jobs so when you when you meet somebody for the first time on a social occasion and you put your hand out and they say, oh, hello, my name's Jill or whatever. No, my name's Keith. Almost invariably, the next part of the conversation is and what do you do? Where do you work? So we do as, as people, we kind of align ourselves and become, you know, we wear the coat of whatever it is. So it's I'm Keith Amos. I work for NATO. So you do. And coming out, as I did, uh, uh, into the uh, private sector was extremely scary A, because no longer could I say that I just had to say I'm Keith Amos and I didn't have anything to add to it and secondly because and all public sector people listening into this will will nod their heads in the public sector certainly until recently you were kind of informed that everything in the private sector ran more smoothly was better you wouldn't get uh, any nonsense that you get in the public sector occurring in the private sector So I was a little bit uh, worried about that until I discovered in the last few years, it's exactly the same. You have the same bad managers, the same useless leaders, the the same um, uh, poor decisions in the private sector as you do in the public sector. And in addition, you have the same incredible people, the most wonderful mentors and so on in both. So there wasn't a huge difference in that sense. But there was this thing, certainly when I took the coat off of being a public servant, international though it was, to being someone on my own and Keith Amos, it was initially quite a shock.
1: Was there a a loss of identity at all, Keith, that went along with that?
2: There is. And now in my new world, I see that a lot, particularly with people that have held quite high positions. If they leave that position for whatever reason maybe uh, sadly they've had a knock on the door from human resources to say they're reorganizing and, and their services are no longer required or maybe they're 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 retiring early they lose the corner office they lose the status they lose the ego and all of a sudden they're just a person so so I, I believe everybody male or female you, you you get affected by this and it's finding yourself again reinventing yourself if necessary digging deep going into your own Values, your own beliefs, and, and and establishing who you are before you can go out again and face the world.
1: Mm, values. I want to come to values in a bit, Keith. That, mm, just hold sure. hold that thought for a for a moment. Mm. Um, so, in terms of you know, as a career coach, what, what what should the people thinking about when it comes to their careers?
2: Well, again, first of all, many people would probably nod their heads if I say that where they are now in their career journey was was unplanned there won't be many people who are who are sitting listening to this who would say you know when i was 20 this is where i thought i'd be mm-hmm. so and there's a great podcast uh, uh, there's a number of good podcasts on this but but one that i like the title of is called squiggly careers you can you can certainly find that one and and you you know it's really the idea that that now you you don't know quite um your your route is not determined it's not it's not that you join a company at 17 and you end up retiring at 65 so you know the careers are, are very often now a question of being flexible and being able to to arrange your yourself so that you can move into areas where you know you're, you're going to be at your most happy where you're using your your skills and abilities to maximum effect you know, sometimes people will end up in a situation really without any any guidance whatsoever so for example, if they move to another country, uh, and I see a lot of expatriates here with their spouse or partner, and they have been working before, but the, but the spouse or partner has a, uh, a good job here, and now they themselves are kind of unemployed and, and looking around. So that's when I jump in and, and try to help to say, okay, what, what have you got to give? Uh, what do you have in the way of, of, of skills, abilities, education, experience, background, and so on? And fundamentally values which would make you adaptable and able to to do something maybe very different from what you've been doing before
1: mm. yeah transferable skills as they used to call it mm. keith, didn't they mm. in the good old mm. days so yeah they did so on this career change i mean we've had two very you've alluded to them. Um, uh, one of them keith at the top of this conversation we in more very recent times we've had two phenomenal challenges haven't we particularly, yeah. um, you know, in Europe and more particularly in the UK. Yeah. Uh, the first one being Brexit, as I say, you've already mentioned yeah. that. But this recent yeah. phenomenon called COVID, how, oh, wow. how are these two things or these individual things, however you want to, to frame them, Keith, how are they going to have a knock on effect, in your humble opinion, to what we term the world of work?
2: Well, thank you for, for offering me the chance to give my humble opinion, because I, I'm afraid it is. Because the reality is anybody that tells you that they know what the future of work is going to look like, I think they are simply dreaming and guessing. We can, we can estimate there are certain things which we know are coming. One of the things we didn't know was coming was, was Covid and how that will change the world of work, I'm not sure, but we can imagine that certain things which were taken for granted, the handshake, the sharing of offices, um, the relative rarity of working from home, these types of things are for sure going to change. It will be very different. Mm. But we've got other things which we've almost forgotten about, which are coming up on the horizon extremely quickly, things like artificial intelligence and and, and robots. Well, these are things which don't get sick. And so I think we're going to see quite some move towards towards that. Um, I think maybe we will start to have some some maybe more attention paid to the health and, and the value of employees. There'll be a lovely refocus, again, my humble opinion, towards those that actually have something incredible to give, which are those care workers, um, those people that have really given such a lot to look after us in, in these last um, dreadful months. So maybe, maybe there'll be a, a reshuffle. You could also say that there will be a return to normality in some areas, and that some will, some companies and organisations are going to do extremely well. Look at, look at, for example, Netflix. Look at Amazon. Um, these have boomed during this during this period. Will that continue? Hard to say, but possibly they will. So the world of work is going to look very different. And uh, as I say, I won't touch Brexit. Um, but <laughs> the world of work is going to be very different, and it's going to be a challenge so what can you do as an individual about that short answer well you can't do anything about what's going to be available what work will be out there for you to do what career necessarily will be will will be there for you in the future what you can do is some work on yourself and to as i say what transferable skills do you have be prepared what does my cv look like um how how, what's my image what's my profile like if it, it If I was to Google myself, what would I find? What would potential employers find? So there's an awful lot of of work that people perhaps ought to be doing at this precise moment to be prepared for the future.
1: Interesting, as we edge closer, Keith, towards human values, because I know you've got a PhD, a doctorate in human values, but I'm just going to park that for one last time. We are getting there, because that's going to be a a real deep dive. And, uh, well, I think for both of us... You might be surprised. (laughs) Well, don't don't let me down here, Keith. I mean, I'm talking to a man that's a doctor um, and did his uh, discipline in in human values,
2: so... uh, There you go. Yeah. There you go. There There might be a technical glitch on the line. <laughs> just
1: sort of i'm sure they won't be <laughs> uh, but anyway we'll move on swiftly yeah. um so so the whole i mean just on that word keith human values uh-huh. um one of the dare i say the old school ways of doing business i don't know if it was so prevalent in the corporate world i'm not i'm never convinced of but if we can be allowed to generalize is around people as you say handshaking eye contact Touch in. let me buy you a cup of coffee, Keith. Let's have a slice of cake. Let's have a good old-fashioned powwow. Keith, how's the kids? How's the grandkids? How's the dog? You know, that face-to-face connection, you know, going back to the caveman. Mm. It's it's, it's what's made life the way it is, isn't it? That, you know, that whole vibrancy of storytelling and, as I say, Keith, let me buy you a drink and, you know, this whole humanness and Mm. my fear on a personal level is i don't think we'll i personally feel in my humble opinion that we'll ever recover from that i hope mm-hmm. i'm wrong
2: we've been through some pretty terrible events uh, in this world and people have suffered some incredible hardships uh, really indescribable difficulties and yet the human human race has somehow managed to pull through people have Managed to, to, to get it back together and I think there's there's really something incredibly powerful that, that can never be lost and we have all started to recognize that during this lockdown period and that is that to some extent whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you know to some extent you certainly need other human contact and And there's you don't know why you're feeling a bit fed up today But the fact is you haven't actually spoken to anyone and hmm that's odd I've watched the TV and I've, I've done a bit of reading and I've maybe listened to some music, done some cleaning, put my head in the fridge, I haven't spoken to anyone today. And that's, a, that's something which I think, as I say, whatever your, your personality profile is, people have found has been quite affecting, you know, with an A. So, so I'm more optimistic than you, Paul. I, I think it will come back. It may come back slightly differently, um, but I, I think it will come back. I think the human spirit is such that, um, that we need other people. And we need someone to love, and we need someone to love us. And uh, I suppose if I was to be really truthful, we probably need some uh, some people to hate and some people to dislike as well. That's all part of human emotion. Which sounds
1: like an absolutely perfect segue (laughs)
2: into the world of social
1: media. I think you've just, in one sentence there, Keith, summed up what many experts previously haven't been able to do around the subject of social media and my uh, and you know I really really do want to be proved wrong on this Keith but my my rationale for saying and feeling um the way I do around this is when you look at and I hate this crass patronizing term of the millennials and how they mm. and the advent of social media and the the main connection Uh, you know generalizing massively is you know give me my mobile phone I don't really want to talk to you but I can connect with the outside world on Instagram or just give me my phone and I'll talk the rest out and I fear that as time goes by that 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 syndrome is going to get more and more and more ingrained and I just wonder how many and I don't think it's too strong a word Keith casualties there's there's been as a result of this this pandemic
2: Oh, uh, you know, I don't know how how some people manage to survive the kind of vitriol that they get in in the way of uh, of comments on their social media posts. And uh, we've seen that some some don't and some some are incredible casualties of that. Uh, And yet there are others. I'm just just choose a very well -known, known personality, someone like Ricky Gervais who when you see him, despite whatever is ever heaped on him or whatever criticism is ever made of of his shows or whatever he does, it just, it's water off a duck's back. And and there are some people who are extraordinarily resilient to this. And I think the reason for that is that they are able to separate the fact that someone would write something about you, someone would put something down on social media that's really abhorrent, but they would never say that to your face. Mm. And it says an awful lot about the individual that writes those, those very negative comments as well. So, again, <laughs> who'd have thought I'd be quoting Ricky Gervais but for the second time? What he says is that, you know, he, he looks at the individual. When, when he gets something very bad written about him, he will go back and check out where that person comes from. And he'll kind of go, ah, yeah, now I see. Now I see why you're so negative. I, I see the kind of life you're leading and, and why you would think that way. So anyway, I mean, there are good people in the world, there are bad people in the world, there are bullies in the world, and, and they exist w- with a lot of foresight in, in social media. We have to, we have to think that the, the glass is half full rather than half empty, though. It's brought a lot of good. It's managed to connect people. There's been an awful lot of, of grandmothers and grandfathers who have survived through this period because they've been able to talk to their grandchildren on the, uh, through social media platforms, and that's been a very positive thing, for example. So it it ain't all bad, I don't think, Paul.
1: Oh, and that's the beauty of a dance like this, Keith, isn't it? That one will come from the left, one will come from the right, and invariably there will be a meeting of minds in the middle, (laughs) listeners. And that's what it's all about. Uh, It's a question of what we value as humans. Bring in, enter, crescendo of drums, Keith's topic expert topic of human values just tell us in mm. in in layman's terms keith i mean i don't mm. think you can get two simpler words than human values but let not my subjective views on that dictate tell us about human mm. values what they are
2: sure let um, and and i i'm i'm very very simplistic in in how i'll reply in this um not because I'm, I'm ultra smart but because i also had to break this down to to be as simple as possible you know as humans we we are affected by an awful lot of input from various people. Kind of starts with our parents, starts with our mother, father, our brothers, sisters, grandparents, and all the rest. We then have around us, which we very soon realize, a a cultural influence as well. We're brought up in a certain household with certain cultural beliefs, certain cultural values. Then to top on, on the top of that, we're, we're also coming from a certain nation, a certain nationality. So we have certain things that we will do. We will support certain football teams. We'll, we'll be thankful for, for certain uh, national days or what have you. We get to school. We have mates. We have people around us who have certain things which they like, which they think is great and which we, because we like to fit in, probably will go along with. And of course, as we grow up, we have friends, we have work colleagues. These are a religion I've nearly forgot a, a very important one as well we have an awful lot of things which are impinging on us and starting to to, to if you like bake us into a certain uh, type of individual a certain certain person and depending on, on on how those things interact with us and what we go along with or what we don't go along with we ultimately end up with a, a lovely a lovely uh, jar of marbles which basically uh, are our human values I heard one of your uh, Podcast ladies uh, Alison Arnoff talking about this and I like what she said, you know She said it's not about the number of values you have but the depth of those values mm. What I find very sad in this particular world. I mean is that Sometimes people will subvert their values and completely ignore them and push them down and That will cause an issue at some time they will break through. Let me give you an, an, a quick example of that so if you follow the money Um, and if you just feel that you want to be employed, you can end up being employed and working in an organization or somewhere, which really does not align with your personal values. More simply, let's say I'm a vegan. Let's say I I never wear leather clothes or leather shoes. Let's say that I don't really believe in big business or corporate values. I'm hardly likely to be happy if I decide to go and work in a very major hamburger chain. There's an obvious, discrepancy there between what I believe in and the values of the organization on the other hand you know there's an awful lot of people here who are thinking you know good money I can earn I can earn a lot of money doing this I'm quite good at this I'm good with figures good with numbers I'll go and work for this insurance company and what they're doing is is selling insurance products to lovely old ladies for example who don't need them that 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 eats away at you over time. That type of thing um, is 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 not good for you. Not good for your self esteem. Not good for your uh, your your ethical values. Mm. Does that help? It does, Keith.
1: Yeah, it does. And it, it um yeah, again, listeners, you've heard me quote this on more than uh, more than one occasion with guests around. And I don't know if you're aware of it, Keith. Um, Allegedly, and I speak now as, dare I say, one academic to another um, in, in the terms of who it's attributed to. There's a lot of conjecture around this, but Gandhi apparently coined the phrase your beliefs influence your thoughts, your thoughts influence your words, your words influence your actions, your actions influence your habits, your habits influence your values and your values influence your destiny. So, Well,
2: yeah. If he didn't say that, it's a, it's a great thing to have had, had attributed to him because clearly for, for, for him and for many others, there was no doubt how important it was to have that basis, to have the, the, the fundamental values uh, there because that does affect everything else. Mm. And, you know, that's... I w- I'd like to give a little... Uh, can i call this a gift um to, to listeners it took me a long time to to and a lot of reading and lots lot of stuff to, to work out how you can actually establish your values now you can do it in a number of ways and you can you can sit down think back wonder what was the, the most wonderful time in my life what was going on then why was i pleased why was i happy why was i enjoying my life you can do all that but paul you know if you really want to know your values What do you hate? What is it that absolutely drives you mad? What is it that you see that gets your goat? Because if you can write those down on a piece of paper on the left hand side and put some heavy metal music on while you're doing it, because you probably will get into the mood. If you can actually do that, what you will will come out with is, is the things which impinge upon your personal beliefs and values. On the other side of that piece of paper, draw a line down it, write the opposite. So I hate unfairness, you know, and when I see unfairness, it drives me crazy. Other side of the paper, fairness, one of my values. So you can go through this list very quickly. And the top, the topmost things that wind you up, that aggravate you, that annoy you, the opposite of that is a very quick way of finding out what your your values are.
1: I love that absolutely love that and if I can just listeners put that into a personal context because you you know on more than one occasion yet again you've heard me say that my my personal values and my professional because you know there is a train of thought and I don't subscribe to this cliche but there is a there's a there's a train of thought and there's there's a, there's an element of truth in it I think uh if not you know it's certainly not certain but how you do one thing is how you do most things And so, you know, personal values, professional values, um, for me, my values are learning, loving, legacy. And there's a couple of H's in there. One is happiness, which I believe is inherently who we are, but we learn how to be unhappy. And the other one, which is very prevalent in modern day or more recent times, is this hope. So when listening to you there, Keith, about okay, right down the opposite. So learning, you know, when I look at the obscene, the horrible way I was brought up, it was through sheer ignorance. That necessitated for me personally to go on a journey, decade long, decades long. Why do people do these horrible, abusive, nasty, vitriolic things to other human beings? Why? Why did my mother have to take beatings day after day? Why did I have to endure physical beatings and emotional cruelty and abuse? Why? So that's the learning. What I also learned within that, Keith, on the loving one is the opposite of that was the hatred, the vitriol, all the negative stuff. So that gave me a choice. Uh, at a time where consciously I wasn't aware of the choice, it was although it was very black and white, of yeah, I can follow that pattern and I can become a really nasty piece of work because I had the tools because I'd learnt them. I'd been shown from a very, very early age or I can actually, there's got to be something better. And then the legacy of that, Keith, is, hang on, if we're born ignorant, isn't the paradox that we have the potential for wisdom through experience and that's the voyage. on. So I love what you've said there. Absolutely love that.
2: Well, thanks, Paul. And I know, you know, clearly, and, uh, knowing you as well, and uh, I think people are incredibly impressed by how you have turned things around. And uh, OK, we're not in a back slapping moment here, but, but certainly, you know, you do, in fact, live up to your values because you have you have shown people that there are things which you have absolutely detested and hated in, in your life. Your values are therefore the opposite. You are now living according to that at least that's that's how I would I would sum it up mm-hmm. you know if you, if you search for a kind of a, a definition of values you'll find about nearly 200 different definitions or something like that and if you look at what various uh, uh, academics have written on the subject as well you'll find very different nuances but it's not really so much about that it's about what it means to you as, as an individual and I think as humans we're smart enough to work that out do I think it's good to steal, yes or no? Would I do it, yes or no? Do I cause harm to others, yes or no? And, and, and they're quite simple questions we ask ourselves, really, aren't they? Mm. Um, and we make a decision. We make a decision. Yeah, I'm going to steal because I need that. They've got enough. It doesn't matter. No one's hurt. You know, we've kind of rationalized it then. Or, no, that's not right. I'm not going to do it. I, I've got, yeah, and keeping the higher ground is, is very difficult for many people. But it's always very impressive when you hear people who have have turned their lives around. Always. Always inspirational. The
1: American coach, um, I think this, um, I'll, I'll, yeah, I think Keith, I'm not sure, but the American coach mm. Tony Robbins, the world-renowned Tony Robbins, I'm sure this is attributed to Robbins, but he said, we will compromise our values to meet our needs. And that's mm. something that, I mean, I've been Robbins trained, so Um, That's Mm. something Keith that when when I'm coaching that I ask clients in an almost moral dilemma perspective of, okay, would you sleep with a stranger for a million? Well, Mm. you know, the usual reaction, no chance, never, never, never. Okay, fine. What about if your child needed a life-saving operation and you needed to get that money very, very, very quickly to send, you know, please, God forbid, to send him or her to the States um, or wherever it was in the wherever the specialist was, and that was going to cost you mega bucks. What about that? And that puts a different, you know, that changes the values of you know, that self-respect, loyalty, whatever those labels and values are in that particular context, Keith, to all of a sudden I've got a big need and I'm going to satisfy that need first.
2: Well, you know, the, the, far be it from me to in any way <laughs> contradict slightly Robbins, but I think that the bit that's missing there is to meet our needs at that time. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, our judgments are formed, our value judgments are, are formed in the circumstances of the moment. So, so the two examples you've given, of course, and, and they're abstract and hypothetical, and, and we all know that that's, that's a difficult basis anyway, but the, t- the two examples, at that time, you will do what you have to do mm. because it's your needs at that moment. Yeah. It's only on reflection that all the other things come in, such as, I shouldn't have done that, I, I, I feel guilty about it, that was a terrible thing, and I won't do it again, and all that other stuff. But at that moment, at that time, you will, form a, you will form a judgment based on your values at that moment, based on, on how you feel, on what the situation is. Yeah. And if you value life of another person above your own, uh, shall we say, degradation at that time, at that moment, because that person is so important to you, you will make that value judgment. Uh, we shouldn't get into the Harvey Weinstein case, clearly. But, you know, take a look at, at that and, and the, there's a lot. Going on around that whole thing about value judgments, which were taken by people to do things potentially allegedly to do things which which serve their needs at that time.
1: Mm, as you say that's maybe another time another place keith so um <laughs> i have got one um, as i do with with guests i always leave the uh the best till the last so mm. to speak so i've got a general question for you right at the end keith but um, let's put that on uh, on hold momentarily and i want to invite you to share with uh with our listeners your contact details how can people reach out find out more about you
2: well thanks very much so it's Keith, K-E-I-T-H, Amos, A-M-O-S-S dot com. Check out the website and, and everything is there. And certainly I'm very happy and getting used to now dealing with Zoom and Skype and, and, and all those good things for anybody that would, that would like some, some, some help with, with their career. wherever you are.
1: Superb, Keith. Thank you. So the question, Keith, the question, maybe this element Mm. of surprise listeners is is not going to catch Keith the way, uh, in a nice, you know, positive, fun way. It's intended because he's already alluded to, he's listened to one or two before. So he might be aware of the, and I use this word very, very loosely, the trick. But you listeners, I mean, you know what's coming. So, Keith, I want you to imagine that we're um, you know, we're in a hotel on the ground floor and we're about to get in an elevator up to the next floor. Mm. So we've got that 30 seconds, 20 seconds, that very mm. short space of time. And we've just introduced, hello, Keith, hello, Paul, blah, blah, blah. Right. Keith, tell me, just leave me. By the time this lift gets to the next floor, Give me one real massive piece of advice that I can take forward in my life.
2: What would that be? It's lovely to meet you, Paul. Lovely to meet you. And uh, we've only got a few floors to go up here. I don't know how you're doing in your career, but I'd just like to drop you three things. Do you truly know yourself? Do you really know what you want? And do you know how to get there?
1: And I say this every time, Keith, when, when I pose that uh, scenario to guests, those succinct, powerful, I call them left jab answers, bang, bang, bang. The, the power is in the simplicity. There's no long, elaborate answers. It's one, two, three, or however it is. Keith, thank you so much once again.
2: No, thank you, Paul. Thank you. By the way, here's my business card.
1: <laughs> yeah um, you know when you was talking about interference on the line Keith I think, we've just, I think we've just got some now and on that humorous note listeners um, I'm going to sign off now as I always do by saying remember mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts
0: thanks very much for listening to this mastering the game of life podcast episode If you found it interesting and helpful, drop a line to Paul via paul-low.com at with any thoughts or questions you may have. He'd love to hear from you and he'd be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at www.paul-low.com Remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts.